thanks to Harry's for supporting Industry Focus. Harry's stands behind the quality of their blades, but they know that switching razors isn't an easy decision. So they created a trial offer. Claim yours by going to harrys.com slash fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, May 25th, and we're talking payments news and PayPal. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined on Skype by Fool.com's Matthew Cochran. Matthew, how's it going? It's going all right, Dylan. How's it going with you? You got plans for Memorial Day? Uh, I do. Uh, I'm going to be doing some prep. I'm going to be taking a cross-country road trip with my girlfriend. Uh, She lives out in LA and is moving to DC. And so, uh, I need to work on our itinerary a little bit uh, because we're leaving on Wednesday. Yeah, it's a long trip. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting test of our relationship, <laughs> but I, I think it should be pretty good. Um, Austin, man behind the glass, what are you up to this weekend? I don't have any crazy plans. Mostly just trying to keep it light and maybe get some yard work done, clean my car out or something. It's the life of a homeowner. You know. Enjoying your holiday weekends by doing some yard work. Uh, Matt, what about you? Uh, anything fun? Well, as you might know, my wife and I, we have four kids together, but this weekend, all four kids are camping with the grandparents. So my wife and I have a whole weekend to ourselves. Wow. And what a weekend to have it. Three days to relax. Big stuff. Big time. <laughs> Big time. Um, so I'm excited to have you on, Matt. Uh, listeners, you may recognize Matt's voice. We had him on our pitch show last year during the Writers' Conference when we had a bunch of folks here at HQ. Um, and Matt, you're someone that focuses on the payment space a lot. Um, there's been a lot of news in the payment space. And so I wanted to bring you on to talk about all that news and specifically how it relates to PayPal. Well, there's a lot of news going on. There's been a lot of uh, uh, acquisitions in the industry lately, a lot of consolidation. Uh, you know, just going back to the last few years, Visa acquired Visa Europe. So they're uh, growing internationally. MasterCard's made a number of acquisitions. And of course, PayPal just made an acquisition the other day of iZettle which kind of puts them in direct competition with Square. And we're seeing that there's also some competitive pressure coming from these legacy companies, uh, some, some news about that. Before we kind of get into all of that, though, why don't we do like a quick couple minutes on the story with PayPal, how things have looked over the last couple of years, and what investors are watching? Sure. Well, so I, I think probably most people are, are semi-familiar with PayPal, but it's the world's largest open digital payment platform uh, where consumers can use to move and manage their money. And every time consumers use PayPal to make a transaction, uh, PayPal takes just a little off the top. Uh, And so we're talking about a fraction of a percentage point, but it quickly adds up when you're talking about billions of transactions. PayPal also has Venmo, which is uh, very similar to the core platform, though it is more popular with millennials and has a bit of a social element to it. Uh, Venmo is still primarily used for P2P or person-to-person transactions, so the company is beginning to roll the platform out more for other types of transactions that can be monetized. And another PayPal subsidiary is Braintree, which offers payments processing solutions to merchants, uh, with one of Braintree's most uh, prolific customers being Uber. And and you mentioned Braintree, you mentioned Venmo, uh, they're strong in mobile. We've seen that this company is a company that is kind of ahead of the curve with the payments industry a little bit. Uh, one thing in particular that stands out to me is what they've been doing with OneTouch. So not only are they really focusing on making mobile payments easier and, and kind of removing some of the friction there, they're also doing that with kind of the standard e-commerce experience for customers. Correct. Yeah. Mobile payment volume on PayPal is exploding. Last quarter, uh, it was up 52% year over year. 
and the company definitely gives most of that credit to OneTouch. OneTouch's sales conversion rate is 89%, which is about double the industry average. And when we're talking about mobile sales conversion rate, what that means is basically once a consumer or a customer of an online merchant begins the checkout process, how often do they finish that checkout process? So this is a big issue for merchants. If the customer's on your site and they're expressed interest in buying an item or a product or service that they sell, they want that customer to complete the sale. They don't want the customer to get bogged down in the payments process and have to like, oh, I'll come back to it later, and then they never do. So this is a big thing. Uh, OneTouch allows a user to register a device, uh, say your smartphone, and from now on, when the consumer is shopping online using that device and they come to a website's checkout page, they can simply click the PayPal button and they're done. There's no need to enter their credit card number, their expiration date, the billing address, the shipping address. It's just more secure and more convenient. Personally, I find it easy to use. I, I, I probably literally get annoyed every time an online merchant doesn't offer it. And I'm not alone. Yesterday at PayPal's Investor Day, they said 31% of consumers, this is according to a Comscore survey, 31% of consumers would not even complete a purchase without PayPal OneTouch. Uh, OneTouch now has 92 million consumers enrolled and 8.6 million merchants enrolled. And it seems to me like the legacy payment companies have taken note because, based on some recent comments uh, from from Visa, I think in particular, but several of the credit card companies, we're seeing that they are now focusing on making these payment options a little bit easier for customers. I think people don't want to be putting in 16 digits, an expiration code, and a three digit code on the back every single time they make a purchase. They're focusing now on this too. Correct. So just uh, there's a little quote from the, the, the credit card companies have always offered their own digital wallets for the last couple of years. MasterCard has MasterPass. Visa has Visa Checkout. American Express and Discover have have digital wallets that nobody uses and nobody knows what they're called. But like the four have decided to gang up essentially and make uh, a common e-commerce checkout standard. The goal of which is to rid the need to enter cumbersome data such as lengthy credit card numbers when making online purchases, which sounds an awful like PayPal's OneTouch platform. And and I think that this is probably that something it, it's, it rightfully worries PayPal investors a little bit, right? Like because so much of the strength of it has been uh, we're making things easier than almost anyone else is to make these payments happen. Uh, how worried are you about this as an investor? Well. It's too early to tell. I personally think that the digital payment space is so big, there's more than enough room for, for two players in this space. That being said, you know, it's something you're going to have to wait and see. Fortunately for PayPal uh, investors, they do have some time. When uh, the MasterCard CEO, AJ Bonga, was asked in his last uh, conference call, you know, uh, and, and he was calling the effort, this is going to be transformative for the industry. When he was asked about the timeline, he said, you're going to begin to see the first fruits of this effort maybe by the end of this year, and you're not going to really see a real push until the beginning of next year. So it's one of those things. One, PayPal does have time, and we're just going to have to see how it plays out. Well, you think about the user growth that they have, right? And so much of what makes payments easy is the idea that I can easily send money to you, right? Like there, we have the P2P side of things, and then we also have the ability to interact with merchants, and that that's kind of the the wonder of maybe the long term vision of PayPal. Uh, I think if they go further out, you know, and say this is going to be something that hits a year from now, 
Well, Venmo isn't going to be standing by doing nothing during that period. They're going to be continuing to get stronger. They're going to be adding users, and that base is going to get stronger. Correct. Yeah. So, I mean, you're right. So, you have a year, which is another year of growth for Venmo, another year of growth for PayPal's core, core platform. And what you were talking about, P2P payments, I think that's a big draw for PayPal. PayPal can offer a core, a whole entire suite of services to consumers. This standard will be nice for when you're checking out online, but if I want to send money to you because we split a dinner tab last night, I'm not going to be able to use this standard for that. PayPal, I can do everything from one platform. And you only have so much space on your phone. You only have, uh, you know, people aren't going to sign up for a million different apps. So the more you can offer an entire suite of services, I think the more attractive you're going to be. And I think that's where PayPal falls in a really sweet spot. All right. We're going to talk about another sweet spot that PayPal is playing into thanks to an acquisition. We're going to do that on the second half of the show, though. Before we get over to that discussion, I want to thank Harry's for supporting our podcast. Listeners who catch the video segments of this show might know that, generally speaking, I'm not a clean-shaven guy. I tend to let the scruff grow out a little bit. But when I found out that Harry's was supporting the show, I had to try out their stuff. What I found, a nice clean shave, thanks to Harry's Great Blades and their awesome lathering shave gel. I'm a pretty big fan. And the company has a story that's pretty easy to get behind. Uh, The founders were fed up with overpaying for expensive razors with unnecessary features. And so they said, you know what? We're going to buy our own factory and sell directly over the internet. The idea being, we're going to save money and pass that savings along to the customer. They're offering listeners of the show a trial shave set with a weighted ergonomic handle, five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. It's a $13 value. Listeners, you can redeem that trial set at harrys.com fool. Make sure you go to harrys.com fool to redeem your offer and let them know that I sent you to help support the show. All right, Matt, the legacy payment companies might be turning up the heat a little bit, but PayPal is not going to just sit by and watch. They're getting a little bit more aggressive. And our second news item here is that they went shopping. Uh, that's correct. So, uh, just earlier this week, uh, they actually acquired iZettle for about $2.2 billion in an all-cash deal, um, which represented about one-third of PayPal's like $7.8 billion uh, war chest. Uh, iZettle, the shortcut to understanding what iZettle does is to call it the square of Europe. So, why is it called the square of Europe? Well, square first got on the map by adding a uh, for for small merchants uh, that didn't have the resources to buy expensive hardware to accept card payments. Think food trucks or uh, farm stands or farmer markets. Uh, they they came up with a simple and elegant design with a, a, a dongle that can attach right to a smartphone, and within minutes that merchant could then start accepting card payments. Well, iZettle in Europe. Remember, Europe switched over to EMV chip credit cards years before the United States did. And iZettle was the first company to come out with a solution that could plug into a smartphone and accept uh, chip card payments. And so they both kind of got on the map with very similar solutions that met the needs of small merchants in their respective markets. And also, the other day, uh, Global Payments Incorporated, uh, they're another payment processing company. Their CEO was on CNBC right after the acquisition, and they asked him, "Are you, do you guys compete with iZettle in Europe? And he said, you know what, not really. iZettle goes for the smaller merchants, global payments. We're into merchants that make more than $250,000 in sales 
And IZettle kind of goes for those smaller, almost micro-merchant types. And who does that remind you of? It reminds you of Square. So IZettle, the shortcut to understanding this uh, acquisition is to call it the, the Square of Europe, which is pretty much what the media has been doing. And, um, you know, last year, IZettle facilitated $6 billion in total payment volume. And uh, they've been increasing their revenue at about a 60% rate since 2015, which is incredible. Yeah, so this was not a cheap acquisition for PayPal. I, I think their uh, trailing revenue, or they should, should be generating about 160 million in revenue uh, in 2018. So they they paid a hefty premium for iZettle. The idea here is it opens up some new business for them, both in terms of uh, business operations and also geography. Correct. So this acquisition was not made to be immediately accretive to PayPal's earnings. Uh, in fact, it was made for I would not look at this acquisition saying, look, oh my goodness, PayPal paid almost 20 times sales for this small European payment processor. It's a strategic acquisition. Uh, and for two reasons, like yesterday uh, at the investor day, the CFO for PayPal, John Rainey, uh, you know, he was saying it's uh, all our acquisitions have to have a compelling strategic rationale. And the, what PayPal believes now is that this gives them the best in class omni-channel offering to merchants to provide payment processing services, where we can cross-sell iZettle to PayPal merchants and vice versa. And the second strategic reason that this makes sense for PayPal, it gives them an in-store payment, payment processing presence and geographic markets where they really did not have any presence before. Uh, that includes Brazil, Denmark, Finland, France, Germany, Italy, Mexico, Netherlands, Norway, Spain, and Sweden. Uh, so this gives PayPal a more global presence for, uh, you know, merchants with a global presence want that, obviously. And it gives them like it, it just makes sense for what they can now offer to a merchant, the payment processing services they can offer to a merchant. Merchant, it's a, a very strategic acquisition. I wouldn't look at it uh, from a numbers perspective. Yeah, and, and if you're getting hung up on the deals of the detail here, you, you look at that $2.2 billion and you think about PayPal's overall market cap, it is a tiny, tiny fraction of, of what the business itself is worth. So, this is very much something that will kind of plug in and be worked into their operations, not something that's immediately accretive. Um, looking at this news, looking at the competitive news, you're a shareholder, I'm a shareholder, Matt. How are you feeling about this? Look, I'm I'm very bullish on PayPal. I've been a shareholder for about two years, and I, I don't have any plans to, to sell my shares anytime soon. Uh, I think what makes PayPal attractive is, one, like we were saying earlier, it can offer an entire suite of, of payment services to consumers. So, it, you know, again, are the credit cards coming out with their own standard for e-commerce checkout? Yes. Will that compete with PayPal's OneTouch? Yes. But you can't use that platform to make P2P payments, for instance. Uh, and then another reason why I like PayPal, and this goes back to everything, you know, it does seem like at times that everybody is gunning for them. You have Apple Pay, uh, you have you know Google Pay or Android Pay or uh, or Square with the Cash App. But w most of these are specific to a device. Like if you want to use Apple Pay, you have to have an Apple device. Same with Android Pay. Uh, you know, for, for credit cards, for their digital wallet, you had to have that kind of credit card to use. For uh, for an operating system, you know, 
PayPal is agnostic. You can use it across any device, any operating system. It doesn't matter what bank you have. Like the banks rallied around Zelle earlier to promote Zelle, which is a great P2P, uh, another P2P platform. But it doesn't matter. You have to have a bank that participated in that program. PayPal, you can use it across any bank, any device, any service. And so it really is kind of that universal digital payment platform. And I look at the acquisition that they made, specifically iZettle, and say, this looks like something that will continue to fuel the virtuous cycle that we've seen with this company before, right? Where you have member growth because uh, you know people are already using the apps. So there's the network effect of you're able to pay your friends with you know Venmo or something like that. And then as merchants come onto the platform, they're coming on because consumers are there, and the merchant acceptance fuels more consumer growth. And so you continue to have different parts of the business feeding each other. I think if they have a really great uh, payment facilitation option in Europe, that'll help a ton with customer acquisition there. And, and it just kind of continues to feed something that has already worked so well for this business. Absolutely. Uh, the more PayPal account holders utilize their accounts, the more merchants want to sign on to PayPal's platforms. And the more merchants on PayPal's platform, the more customers use their accounts, and on and on that network effect goes. Absolutely. And I think that this this uh, acquisition also kind of shows a little bit like the optionality that a company like PayPal has, a company like Square has. You know, we're, we're talking about PayPal here. I don't think Square is a bad business by any stretch. Um, you look at both of them though, and you're like they are disruptive payment companies. Square's been able to do a lot of things after getting you know merchants involved, where they've layered in all these extra services. I would not be shocked to see PayPal be able to do the same thing now that they are kind of moving more into that space. No, absolutely. In fact, yesterday I was listening to some of the presentations at PayPal's Investor Day, and they have really, when they talk about their merchant services, they have really kind of co-opted Square's language that they use. Uh, you know, when they talk about democratizing uh, payment services and uh, empowering small merchants to to compete with the big boys in their industry, you know, it, it, they absolutely have their eyes on some of the same exact markets. Yeah, understandably so. It's a compelling one to be looking at. Um, Matt, anything else before I let you go today? Uh, no. Like again, like I just think I'm bullish on PayPal because they offer an entire suite of services uh, that other platforms don't really have. That entire ecosystem of uh, digital payment services that PayPal offers, and they're agnostic. So I really think if there is going to be a a universal digital payment platform, I, I think PayPal is a horse to bet on. I think that's a good place to end this one. Thanks for hopping on, Matt. Thanks, Dylan. <laughs> Listeners, uh, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or if you just want to reach out and say, hey, you can shoot us an email at industryfocus at fool.com or tweet us at mfindustryfocus. Quick housekeeping note here. I mentioned I'm going to be traveling starting next Wednesday. Uh, the next two Friday episodes have been pre recorded. So if anything crazy happens in the market, uh, give us a little slack there because uh, it was a scheduling issue that we had to overcome. Uh, and of course, if you are looking for our episodes, you can subscribe on iTunes or check out the Fool's family of shows over at fool.com slash podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for his work behind the glass. Hope he enjoys a nice Memorial Day in his yard. For Matthew Cochran, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening and fool on. Fool on.